Our Father who is in heaven, good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hallowed be your name. May you be lifted up and treated as holy in our worship today and in our work and families all week long. Your kingdom come, King Jesus. May your spirit incline us to follow you. May we help spread the good news of the gospel of the kingdom this week. And King Jesus, we look forward to that day when you come back and your kingdom is here in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, may it start with us. May we do your will. And may others see and be drawn in so that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial needs as families and as a church meet our needs. Lord, all of our physical needs, we have needs meet our needs. And Lord, our relational needs, forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, help us to be a forgiven, forgiving community. And Lord... Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from our flesh. Deliver us from the world around us that puts such pressure on us. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we pray as we open your word together today that you would teach us. And Lord, we do pray for revival. That is our greatest need. That is our nation's greatest need. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Colossians 3. And if you don't, this is a great idea to bring a, a Bible. If you're new, we're walking through a book in the Bible called Colossians. It's all about Jesus. And if you'd like to know Jesus, we invite you to come. Week by week, we're getting to know Him to better. Uh, together, there's, there's no one like Jesus. And we're in Colossians 3. And we're going to read the same verses we read last week. Last week we read about these verses and, and learned how important it is to have the Word of Christ richly dwell in us. And today we're going to come back and look at gospel-centered worship, uh, at gospel-centered worship. Colossians 3, verse 16, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So you're a little boy, and what you really want is you want to be a major league baseball player. And so you practice, and you practice, and you practice, and then you get drafted, and you're in the minor leagues, and you get better and better, and then you get promoted to the major leagues, and you're playing for the Tampa Bay Rays. And then June 2022 comes around, and there's Pride Month. And you're asked to wear a Pride jersey. Do you or do you not? There were several of our brothers who were in that position this month. Did you know that? They were asked to wear jerseys to celebrate what God forbids. And several Christians on the team, they didn't do it. They said, um, we're Christians, and Jesus wants us to love 
all people, but we cannot celebrate what God forbids. You say, well, I'm not a baseball player. Well, those same things are coming for you. You know that, right? I have talked to several businessmen in the last few weeks in our church, and in their business, they were asked to be allies, to be allies of the LGBT community. And you know what we did? We talked through it together. And what they did is they went back to their bosses and they said, listen, we're Christians and we're called to love all people, but we cannot celebrate what God forbids. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but our culture is becoming increasingly hostile to Christians. And so gathering together like this to think through the times in which we live biblically is going to become more and more important. This time is precious. Um, did you hear what I said in verse 16? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Remember last week, I'm Southern, right? I said, let the word of Christ richly dwell within y'all. This isn't talking about individually as much as it's talking about a community. That the church of Jesus Christ is a church that gathers together so the Word of Christ richly dwells within the hearts of God's people. We need each other. We need Jesus. We need each other, especially in the times in which we live, to gather together and think biblically together how to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile and puzzling culture, don't we? And so what we're going to learn this morning is that worship, that corporate worship, that gathering together in the presence of God and His Word is very important in the life of a disciple, in the life of a follower of Christ. And since worship is very important, we ask the question, well, what is worship? What is worship? And so I'd love to give you a definition uh, of worship. It's the point of today's message. Um, Worship is our loving response to God's revelation of Himself in creation, His Word, and Jesus Christ. It's long, but it's important. Will you read it with me? Worship is our loving response to God's revelation of Himself in creation, His Word, and Jesus Christ. We believe God has revealed Himself in creation. That's called general or natural revelation so that anybody who goes outside knows there's a God. And, uh, and then God has revealed Himself to us in special revelation, in His Word, and in Jesus Christ. Worship takes place when we respond to God's revelation of Himself, whether it's in creation or His Word or in Jesus Christ. And certainly the first act, the first act of worship for a disciple is when we say yes to Jesus, isn't it? Don't we hear the gospel? Don't we say yes? That response is worship. Our passage, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the gospel dwell in my people. Does the gospel dwell in you? You ever just look around our culture and say, why is it so broken? Doesn't the gospel answer that? You know what's wrong with our culture? I am. You know what's wrong with our country? You are. The Bible says we're all the part of the problem, aren't we? Isn't that the gospel? In Romans 5, in Romans 5, 
Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we, not other people, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says what's wrong with our country is that we are all sinners. It's not just that we have sin, we are sinners. Well, well, what does that mean? It means we push God away and say, God, we don't want to do life your way. We want to do life our way. And so every sin is a crime against God. And we've all committed crime after crime against God. And the Bible says what we deserve for what we have done, we deserve hell. We deserve to be separated from God in all good things forever. Well, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. But the good news is, but God, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't come to help good people get better. He came to save sinners. So God the Son put on flesh, lived a perfect life, and went to the cross. And if you want to know what God is like, look at the cross When you see Jesus on the cross, God is declaring that God is just and sin must be punished. Every sin ever committed must be punished, either in Jesus on the cross once and for all or in us forever. God is just and God is love. What changed my life was to realize Jesus loved me, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, Do you realize that for you? He died for me. He really did die. He was buried on the the third day. He, He rose, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us eternal life. He offers to forgive us. He offers to save us from hell so that we can enjoy Jesus now and forever. And what does he require of us? That we believe, right? Oh, in John 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You see, before we believe in Jesus, we are not children of God. We are children of wrath. Listen, do you want to move from being a child of wrath to being a child of God? Then receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. When we receive him, he forgives us and he gives us eternal life and we move from death to life and and we move from being children of wrath to children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You do know what Jesus, his name means, right? His name means Savior, that you believe in the one whose name is Savior. Do you? Listen, receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord and And believing in Him really is as simple as A and B and C. And if you've never done this, won't you? It starts when we admit. Lord, it's not just the world that's broken. I'm broken. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? Won't you do that now? I'd be glad to give you a chance as we close in prayer. And then we believe. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose for me. And then we receive Him. Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life, won't you? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you admit and believe and commit? And if you did, aren't you glad? Man, we're forgiven. We're children of God. And and you know what? That Jesus has moved into us. He's moved into us to live his life in and through us. And you know what he says when he moves in? Follow me. Follow me. And do you know what he does? He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to have the desire and the power to follow him. Man, when 
When I believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved in, and you know what? I wanted to know him, and so I had a hunger for his word, don't you? And for the first time in my life, for the first, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to go to church because I wanted to hear gifted people open the Bible and teach me about Jesus, teach me about him. Don't you want to know him? Um, in our passage, in our passage, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Oh, when... When the gospel fills people, when people are gospel intoxicated, when people are gospel intoxicated, the first thing they do is they worship together. Did you see that? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. The first thing they do is they gather together. And they teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then they, they thank God. Um, in, a, um, in a twin epistle, Ephesians, the Bible says um, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Here, Instead of being said to be filled with God's Word, to be filled with the Spirit. And notice what happens. When people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing they do is they gather together and worship together, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And if you didn't see how similar they were, let me show you this, how similar they are. You see, we're reading in Colossians 3, right? And in verse 16, let the word of Christ, let the gospel fill you. And then you read in Ephesians 5. Listen, let the Holy Spirit fill you. Now notice, the response to both is exactly the same. They're exactly the same. In Colossians, it's speaking to one another with psalms and hymns. It's in, in Ephesians, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. Do you notice the first thing in worship is horizontal? The first thing is what we do with one another. And then, and then it's lifted up to God. Do you see that? Whether we're filled with the Word or we're filled with the Spirit, first it's to one another, and then, and then it's lifted up to God, right? Uh, gospel, intoxicated people worship the Lord together. People filled with the Holy Spirit, they worship together. And you say, well, well why is worship so important? Why is worship so important? Well, when Jesus moves into us, He says, Follow me, right? And Jesus is our model, isn't he? He's our model for life and ministry. And so in the Bible, we read when Jesus was born, and then we read when he's 30, and we only read one event, one event in the life of Jesus, right? Between when he was born and 30, and what do we find him doing? A lot of you know the story, right? His parents come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They, they're going back to Nazareth. They get a day and a half uh, on their way back. And Do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Uh, now, some of you have one or two kids. You wonder, how could you lose your kid, right? We have six kids. We lost them a lot. Did you get them? No. Did you? Uh, 
So a day and a half out, they figure out they've lost Jesus. <laughs> uh, you're responsible for the Savior of the world, and we lost him. Uh-oh, right? <laughs> so they go back to Jerusalem. They go back to Jerusalem in Luke 2, verse 46. Then after three days, they found him in the temple. The only event we have in Jesus growing up is in the temple. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. He's listening to the Word of God in the place where God was worshipped. And all who heard him were amazed at, the, at, his, at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously longing for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Um, you know what Jesus loved to be? He loved to be in God's house, hearing his word from teachers. Do we? So, so then we go another 18 years, right? We go another 18 years, and Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit falls upon him. He's led out into the wilderness, remember? He's, he's tempted. He resists the temptation. I love how it ends. The devil left him for an opportune time. Uh, he would come back. So how does the public ministry of Jesus begin in Luke 4? Verse 14, after Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Do you see how Jesus models for us how to walk in the power of the Spirit? Uh, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogue and was praised by all. Do you know where Jesus was on the Sabbath? Do you know where he was? He was in the synagogue because that's where worship took place. That's where God's Word was opened up. Notice what it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, Jesus worshipped on the Sabbath. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And he stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found in the, in the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, want a little freebie? We believe that God is one, right? We do, right? God is one. You guys there? And yet we believe there's three persons in the Trinity, right? Do you see that there? Do you see that? The Spirit, God the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, God the Father is upon me, God the Son. You see all three are right there. Isn't that cool? And that was free, okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Man. So we see Jesus, right? How does he begin his ministry? It was his custom to be in the synagogue, worshiping, opening up the scriptures, teaching the scriptures. Oh, we move on. Remember when Jesus was traveling through Samaria? He's traveling through Samaria. He meets a Samaritan woman. He begins to share the gospel with her. He says, listen, uh, go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you're right. You've been married five times, and the one you're with is not your husband. And Jesus was getting a little too close to her, remember? And so she says, uh, well, you Jews say you should worship in Jerusalem, and, and us Samaritans say you should worship in uh, Samaria. What do you say, Jesus? 
And I want you to hear John 4, 23 and 24. <clears throat> but an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers, notice it's in the plural because God's people worship together. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth uh, for such people, God's looking for a people, a worshiping people, not just individuals. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. There is only one thing that I know of in all the Bible that says God seeks from His people. You know what it is? It's worship. And we might say, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to, to worship in spirit and truth? Well, we read in Colossians to be filled with His Word, right? And we read in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit, right? So it certainly means that we worship Him according to His Word in the power of His Spirit. To worship Him in spirit and truth means with all of our minds, with all our emotions, with our will. Are, are you a worshiper? Do you worship Him in spirit and in truth? Do you know why we do evangelism? Do you know why we share our faith? Because God wants worshipers. Do you know why we help to plant churches around the world? Because there are places where there are no worshipers. And we plant churches so that God would have worshipers around the world. Listen, worship is our loving response. It's our lo we, we meet Jesus, we respond. It's our loving response to God's revelation of Himself in creation and, and, and in His Word and in Jesus Christ. And I know, I know some of you say, well, Smiley, I don't, I don't have to go to church to worship. And you are so right. You're so right. In our passage this morning, I believe verse 16 is talking about corporate worship, and we're going to talk about that. But I believe verse 17 is talking about personal worship. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. We're to worship Him in all that we do. Karen recently took our daughter-in-law and our grandson, uh, and our gran grandson Ryder to the Fountain of Youth, and Karen saw a peacock. How can anyone see a peacock and not what? And not worship. Wow, God, you're so... Doesn't God show off, doesn't He? I mean, doesn't God show off in a peacock, doesn't He? All the stars in the sky. How can we live in God's creation without worshiping? You go to the beach. Karen and I were riding on the beach yesterday. Do you see how much water there is? How can anybody go to the beach without worshiping? Are you a surfer? How can you ride a wave without saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the wave you created for me to enjoy. Thank you. Oh, next, father, next Sunday is what? Come on, dads. No, no, you said that. I was, just, I was talking to dads for a moment. When you held your baby for the first time, what did you do? You what? You worshiped, didn't you? You worshiped. You said what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so true. We don't have to go to church to worship because all of life, all of life is, is, is worship for a Christian. But do you know what happens on Sunday? We get to worship. 
we get to gather with like-minded people and thank Jesus together and sing to one another and hear his word, we get to. Don't you hear that? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Oh, fill us with your word, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Notice that it's with one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart. You have a part to play in worship. You do. You're a part of the body. It matters whether you're here or not. Listen, we need worship. We do. But worship needs us. We need worship. But worship needs you. It makes a difference whether you're here or not. If you're not, there's a part of the body that's missing. And you know why we need worship? And worship needs you. Uh, let me show you. In Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews 10, it tells us three reasons why it matters. Three reasons why it matters. In Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm a coward. And I need you to hang on to Jesus in the culture in which we live. Don't you? I need you so that I hang on that Jesus is the way as culture gets more hostile. I need you. I need you so that we hang on to the, together that the Bible is God's Word. I need you. I need you that I would stay faithful that marriage is the permanent union of a man and woman because that's hostile in our culture. I need you. I need you to affirm that all human beings are made in God's image and we're all scarred by sin. We all need a Savior. I need you and you need me. We need each other to hold fast our confession in an increasingly hostile culture. Don't try it alone. Um, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We need each other to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. John Wooden, a basketball coach, says, rare, rare is the college athlete who will do what he ought to do without a coach to exhort him and a team to support him. That's true of us. What have you been learning in your time with Jesus? Are you loving your wife? Are you being subject to your husband? Are you bringing your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Are you? When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? We need each other. I need you. You need me. Oh. You ever get discouraged? Isn't that why we gather? Not forsaking our own assembling together. This is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. The word encourages. We give courage. We give courage. Don't give up. Don't give up. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, I get so discouraged. I so look forward to Sunday because I get to see you and you encourage me and I pray that I get to encourage you. Uh, see the word church. I mean, let me tell you the word church. The word church, ecclesia in Greek means the called out one, but it means an assembly, an assembly. When we say, let's go to church, do you know that's biblically accurate? Not, not the building, but, but the people gathered together, okay? Oh, the reason that we need worship and worship needs us is because we need each other to hang on to our confession, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, to encourage and be encouraged. 
So let, let's go back to Colossians and work through our passage a little bit more. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now the first thing that people filled with the gospel and the Holy Spirit do is they sing to one another. And you might say, well, what are psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Well, I know what psalms are. Do you know that singing is so important to God that the book in the middle of the Bible is a songbook? Did you know that? That God loves singing so much that the book in the middle of the Bible is a songbook. And, and, and I'm not going to differentiate between all those. I just think he's saying worship God with a wide variety of songs, okay? With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But listen carefully. The reason we come and sit next to each other is because we're to sing to one another. Do you know why we sing to one another? Because the people around you, some of them are about to walk away from Jesus. Some of them have had a really tough week and they're about to lose their, leave their spouse. There's people around you who are about to wreck their life and Jesus wants you here to sing to them, to sing to them, to give them courage so they don't walk away from Jesus, so they don't walk away from their spouse, so they don't wreck their lives. First of all, we sing to one another. And then, and then we, after we sing to one another, then we sing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And do you know why we sing to God? Because words alone are not enough to express our thankfulness. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was guilty and now I'm forgiven. I was headed to hell and now I'm headed to heaven. How can we not express our thankfulness in song? So we sing to one another. Then we sing to God. And you know who else we sing? We sing to ourselves. The reason we sing to ourselves is to get God's Word inside of us. That's why we sing when we feel like it and we sing especially when we don't. Um, <clears throat> when no one's around and they can't hear me. And I get really, really discouraged. I love to sing to myself, don't you? Well, Smiley, what are you saying? I sing the most profound song I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak. You know how weak I am? But he is strong. Oh, the most rich and powerful theological song that I know is that Jesus loves me, this I know, and I love to sing, don't you? Oh. I want you to understand something, that, that worship is a grand play. Uh, it, it's a big play, it's a grand play, but, but most people are confused. I mean, you go to a play, there's actors, right? And then you have an audience, and you have prompters, but most people have worship all wrong. See, I think most of you think you're the audience and you think the people up here are actors and that's why you bring your scorecards each week so that after we sing, you say to Ed, well, that was seven or that was a six or you listen to a message and you say, that was a, that was a two. But I want you to know that's all wrong. What will change your life is that you are the actors. You're the actors. The people up front, all we are, we're just the prompters. We just hold cue cards, sing. And some of you say, I'm not. We just hold cards that say sing, give, listen to God's word, 
And do you know who the audience is? You know what will change your worship? When you realize Jesus is the audience. It says it twice. Do you see it in verse 16? Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Every week Jesus comes and sits here and wonders if you'll come. And when you come and sing to him, you bless him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Hmm. Um, let, let me share with you a story. It's in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village, uh, ten leprous men, As he entered a village, ten leprous men stood at a distance, met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You you do know that that lepers were outcasts. They couldn't be with their family. They they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, wherever they went. Um, Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Because if, if someone was cleansed of leprosy, they needed to show themselves to the priest to be declared Um, cleansed, and then they could go and and join society again. And as they were going, they were healed. Um, uh, Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. Um, And he fell on his face. He fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. Now, nine kept going. Um, I mean, they hadn't seen their family in a long time. Maybe it had been a long time since they got to go to a soccer game, right? I mean, they had things that they wanted to do. But one came back. One came back and fell at Jesus' feet and said, thank you. Every Sunday morning, Jesus comes and he wonders, who remembers? Who's thankful? Oh, man, don't you want to be that one? I mean, aren't you blown away? You were dead, and now you're alive, and you were forgiven, or you were guilty, and now you're forgiven, and you were a child of wrath, and now you're a child of God. Oh, the one. He came back. He fell on his face as his feet giving thanks to him, and he was a a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Um, oh, I, I pray we get a picture that every Sunday, Jesus is right here. And we have an opportunity as actors to come and worship him. And listen, he loves it when we come early. You know why? Because people go to football games three hours early. Did I say a football game? And we wander in late to worship Jesus. You know why he wants us to come early? Because there's people he wants us to welcome. I know he wants us to because he said what? I was a stranger and what? And you invited me in. Imagine if we came early because we thought Jesus might show up and we wanted to welcome him. Listen, when we sing to one another, Jesus loves it because he loves it when we encourage his brothers and sisters. That's why we come. When we sing to him, he loves it. You know why? Because he sings over us. When we give 
cheerfully. He loves it. You know why? Because He gives cheerfully. When we sit at His feet and say, Jesus teaches your word, He loves it. And when we go and share with others what we learned, He loves it. Oh, man. How I dream of the day when Jesus comes and the service is about to start. This place is filled with people just like the one Samaritan, blown away at how good Jesus has been to us. So, what have we learned that worship is our loving response to God's revelation of Himself in creation, in, in His Word and Jesus Christ? And, and so the action step for this week, the action step for this week is to cultivate a worshipful lifestyle. I don't believe we'll move from where we are to where we want to be in one step. And so let's cultivate a worshipful lifestyle. And, and to really incentivize you to do that, do you want to be following Jesus five years from now? Do you? Listen, cultivate a worshipful lifestyle today. Are you married? Do you want to still be married five years from now? Do you? I can't think of anything that you could do better for your marriage than to cultivate a worshipful lifestyle. Listen, would you like to bear fruit? Would you like to see people one to faith in Christ and to make disciples? I can't think of anything that would help you more than to cultivate a worshipful lifestyle. And that starts on Sunday. It starts by making Sunday the best day of the week. We get to gather together, and, and we get to thank Jesus together. And so we come early, and we participate, and we listen and we give, and we go and share. Uh, one more thing. I went out to eat on Friday, went to a restaurant. Do you know they had one cook showed up? And they said, uh, it'll be a 40-minute wait. It's been a hard couple years, hasn't it? Uh, it's hard for restaurants. It's been a hard of all. Do you, do you know how many gospel partners were lost over the last couple years? So many people who worked in children's ministry, so many people who were part of our welcome team. Listen, worship is really, really important. We have two services. You could work one service and you could serve in another, but there are so many opportunities for you to help others experience worship, so many. If you would say, I'd be willing to help with children, I'd be welcome, willing to help welcome people, would you, would you? you? You could mark that on your card and you'd be a huge help. We think it's never been more important for people to have a church to come and hear the Word of God than today. Won't you help us? So to cultivate a worshipful lifestyle, it starts on Sunday and, and then it goes all week long. It continues on. It continues on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know how would that look like in my life? Every morning when I get up, I worship Jesus. Won't you pick up the study and do it? You know what happens when I read the Word? When, when I see God, I praise Him. I worship. And when I see myself, I confess my sins. I worship. And when I read what Jesus has or is or will do for me, I thank Him, and that's worship. And then when I, I see my need, I, I pray. I worship. Why not begin each day in personal worship, right? But listen, as I leave personal worship, it's all day long. Listen, my family, the way I treat my family is meant to be one of worship. And then as I go to work, I worship. On the way here, you know what I, Lord, thank you that I have a car. And thank you, there's roads to drive on. And thank you that I have the ability to make wealth. Thank you. And thank you that I have a job. And Lord, help me to serve others at work the way you've served me. 
Man, in, in the next few weeks, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at what happens in our families when we worship as a family. We're going to see what happens in the workplace when we see work as an opportunity to worship the Lord. We're going to learn how, how when we develop a worshiping lifestyle, there's so many more opportunities to share Christ than we ever saw before. Don't miss it. It's going to be so good. But this week, this week our assignment is to cultivate a worshipful lifestyle. And, and, and that starts on Sunday, right? Isn't that what we're here for today? Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then we want that to go all week long, right? Isn't that verse 17? Whatever you do this week, whatever you do, at home, at work, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to seek and save sinners. Thank you. Thank you for dying in our place on the cross once and for all and, and rising and offering us eternal life. And listen, if, if you've never received that gift, won't you? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. I want you to to come into my life and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, I pray that we would become a worshipful people, that the Word of Christ, the Gospel, would, would fill us and intoxicate us, that the Spirit of God would, would fill us and we would worship you on Sundays. We, we would give our best to you on Sundays. We would worship you on Sunday. And it would overflow Monday through Saturday that whatever we do in word or deed, we would do as worshipers of the living God. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.